Worldwide parent coach and conscious educator, Sue DeCaro, is on a mission to revitalize the joy in parenting. Welcome to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids, a podcast designed to help parents all over the world create deeper connections with themselves and their children while overcoming life's daily parenting challenges. Listen in if you want to bring more laughter, love, and enjoyment to your home life. Welcome to Conscious Parents Thriving Kids, a place for all things parenting. I am your host, Sue DeCaro, and I am thrilled to introduce my special guest, Elise Rothman. Elise creates a happier world, one well-being at a time. She specializes in how to recognize, release, and restory the limiting beliefs and subconscious scripts that is at the root of one's perspectives, choices, health, relationships, and fulfillment. Elise, I love that. That just encompasses so much. Thank you for joining me and for being here with us for this episode. I am thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled to be hanging out with you once again. This is like our, our third round. It's our third hangout. That's right. Third hangout in one month. <laughs> in right. one month. Look how amazing that is. You know, our connection is that profound, I believe. It is. And we're, we're both working to bring and create and help people create, have the happier world that you talk about. So I love really? it. We have Absolutely. so much in common. So let's, let's start by talking about the word conscious. Mm-hmm. People are talking about that a lot these days and, you know, working to live consciously. The podcast is called Conscious Parents Thriving Kids. So let's talk right. about living a conscious life, creating that life that we dream of one well-being at a time. What would you say is your definition of being a conscious person? Well, you know, it's interesting because conscious is a very broad broad word. You know, we think of being conscious as all, all of a sudden we're connected and, and we have this revelation and, we, and we're woke. But what are we woke to? <laughs> what are we conscious of? I think that that question actually could come before whether we're conscious or not. Like, what are we conscious of? Are we conscious of this amazing, incredible world that's full of limitless possibilities? Or are we conscious of the things that we don't like and, and we want to change? So I, love I think that the intention behind what we're conscious of, I think maybe it has to be intentionally conscious. I love that. And, you're, you know, we can be conscious of so many things. And I love what you just brought up because when we're conscious of the world around us or, you know, what we love about the world or how we connect to the world at large, that's a beautiful gift. And at the same time, it's a beautiful gift that we offer ourselves when we're conscious about the things we don't like, when we're connected and see clearly what we don't like, we don't appreciate, or what we didn't like in our upbringing, or what conditions don't suit us anymore. Because if we're not aware mm-hmm. of these things, we can't move forward in a different way, even a baby step of a change to make a difference for ourselves. Absolutely. And it's beautiful to be conscious of where we're focusing, right? And that's the whole concept of flip your script, which is a coaching Um, program that I've put together, three steps about recognizing, which is about being conscious, um, releasing and letting go of the things that we're consciously aware of that really aren't working, and then learning how to restory, right? How to restory in our own way of thinking, in our own way of seeing, in our own perspective, the world that we want to be the creator of. 
right? Because we actually have come here to create, right? We have. And we do a lot of co-creating too, because all of those people that are in our surroundings are part of our creation. Yes. Like being a parent. Like being a family. That's right. That's right. And where we come from. So let's, let's talk about, um, recognizing, you know, you mentioned recognizing, releasing, and restoring. Mm -hmm. And I love those three, uh, three steps. So talk about recognizing when we are, you know, uh, awoke, let's say when we start to wake up and see things that we don't like or recognize in our life, what makes us, uh, perhaps Mm -hmm. ill, perhaps uncomfortable, perhaps nervous, perhaps creates a lot of anxiety or annoyance. I mean, whatever it might be, when we start to see these things in your uh, work, how would you define the next step once somebody sees something? So the first, so the first step in recognizing is obviously being conscious and aware of whatever, whatever it is that's, that, that, that's coming up within you, within me, right? Because that's the first indicator. How, what is it bringing up in me, right? Not, is, not what is somebody making me do or making me feel. The feelings are already there. So I see it as, I use an analogy about a cup. You know, if a cup is full of water and it gets knocked over, then what comes out? water. If there's a glass of wine and the wine get, you know, the glass of wine gets knocked, the wine comes out. And I'll ask a lot of people, you know, well, why'd the wine spill or why'd the cup spill? And they said, because the cup got knocked, but that's not true. It's because that's what was in the cup. True. If it was empty, there would be no spillage. Right. The cup would just knock. Or, you know, if, so when we get knocked, like this whole global plot twist right now was a big knocking, knocking of our cup, so to speak. And so did anxiety, are you full of anxiety? Are you full of fear? Um, Are you resentful and angry and blaming? Or are you recognizing, wow, you know, this is an opportunity to create in ways that I haven't been presented with before. Right. So, so that's the first step in recognizing is what is coming up? How is it making you feel? Yeah. And, and that can be a long journey in and of itself of connecting with those things that are making you feel a certain way and finding, finding the, uh, the patience and the wherewithal to stay with it, right? To examine it, to continue to look at what is making you feel this right. way. Here, and here's another. We go through, sorry, oftentimes we go through life where we're feeling a certain way and we're looking out externally, as you said, you know, perhaps we're blaming somebody for making us feel X way, but no one can make us feel any way at all unless we give them the power and not hold on to the power ourselves. Well, and there's a couple of ways to look at it. This is, I love the recognizing part. So, so I also have another three steps that parallel the recognize, release, and restore process. And the first is eyes on your own paper. And that's the first step, right? That connects with recognizing. You have to get your eyes on your own paper. And that means recognizing how whatever situation, how you're feeling in relationship to the life that you're really co-creating, if not really playing a major role in creating. So in how, how am I feeling? And the only way I'm going to know how I'm feeling is if my eyes are on my own paper and I'm not blaming, I'm not looking at my kids for pissing me off and doing that. And that's, look what you made me do. You made me yell again, or you made me feel this way again, or look at, look what you made happen. And that's a whole other conversation that I'm right. sure that we'll get into, <laughs> but I'm just saying, so take the, 
get rid of the blame and get your eyes on your own paper and recognize how is this person, how is this situation, how am I feeling in relationship to it? Not how is it making me feel, but how am I responding and feeling in relationship to this? Yeah. And lots and of times it's, it's deeper than, than we realize. And that's why exactly. I said, you know, this recognition is a process. It's a lengthy process because these things are usually down deep, buried in some way, shape or form. And they're just, you know, the cup's spilling over, but we have to get to what's at the bottom of the cup underneath right. perhaps the I do have a little line. bit of a, of a cheat for that in the release process but another really good tip on the recognizing side of it is once you're recognizing once once we once we recognize because I'm still human I didn't get a get out of being human free card unfortunately <laughs> I don't know if you have gotten no, one for I'm the human. work that you're doing <laughs> no. but if you did I'd like to know where I can apply because <laughs> No, it's good I'm to be human. Still let's, stay human. The, let's stay in the human zone. That way the work that we do is legitimate because we're yes. experiencing, you know, human moments as well and we're credible because we are also living a human life. So no. I know. No get out I, of human so life. So many times I'm working with clients, I'm like, Do you know I've been there? I'm like, Oh my gosh, I've been to so many places and so <laughs> many had so many conscious awakenings. <laughs> I'm like, really? Wow. It's a good thing I don't sit in those you know, adverse moments and, and right. dwell because, but they've gotten to me to where I am. And I'm sure that we, I mean, we all have, Absolutely. but another really good question to ask oneself, to ask yourself, viewer, how old is this feeling? Not, is it two minutes old or three minutes old, but how old am I in this feeling? Because there's actually, we're different versions of ourselves in different experiences that we have. And when you cannot only, when you, when you can recognize, I'm feeling frustrated right now. My insecurities are coming up. I'm feeling self-conscious. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I, it's not fair. Whatever the feeling is, and how old are you right now in this moment that you're feeling it? And I promise that if you ask yourself that, you'll be like, I'm eight, 13, 17, 20. Like a number, it'll come to you. And trust that that's your age right now. Because that's when you can start getting to that deeper understanding and think, well, what, what is it about this experience that's actually reminding my subconscious, obviously, or that version of myself of an experience that really didn't resonate with, that wasn't working for me? I call them game-changing moments. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's how, as an adult, you could start recognizing the inner child within you that maybe kind of got, felt like they got abandoned at a certain point in their life. Maybe they weren't nurtured to recognize their own value, right? Absolutely. Maybe a best yeah. friend said that nobody likes you anymore or they slept with your boyfriend or at eight years old, you had the, wanted this beautiful dress for something at school and your mom didn't pay attention and didn't listen and said, no, it's going to look ugly on you. I mean, there's so many different moments that we tend to forget consciously, but they're there. Yeah. And they haunt us in different choices, behaviors, activities, and uh, moments, you know, where yes. we don't see that that might be what haunts us. I, I have to share this little story because it's, Please like, do. it's like sitting here. So I've done a lot of work on myself and that is why I'm in this field, you know, as an individual, as a parent and yeah. So uh, the inner child work 
And so um, recently I found a picture that I have been hoarding that is a series of four. And it's myself and my siblings. There's, there's four of us all together uh-huh. in the kitchen when I was seven. And my mom was trying to take a picture of us. Anyway, the series of four, in the first, everyone's sort of smiling. In the second, I'm looking like I'm about to lose it, and my siblings are looking at me. In the third, I guess they were teasing me. And in the fourth, I was full-blown crying with the dress over my eyes. Now, the reason I tell this story is because that's not the point. The point is that this was framed in a four-part series with all four pictures for each one of us to have in our home. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I took it. I've had it for years. For years, I've had it. And now, at this, you know, age I'm at, which I won't disclose, it suddenly made me want to know the why behind it. I mean, I've already moved past that, you know, eight year old, seven year old that was probably teased and didn't feel good about herself and didn't feel valued as an individual for who she was, which was maybe sensitive. Uh, my eight year old can relate to your eight year old. Yeah, okay, so we <laughs> hug. Our eight year olds are hugging. Yes, they uh, are. So I had to know what was behind the picture. And the reason I share this is because for our viewers, they may have scenarios or situations where sometimes it takes an extra step, not just the awareness, but Mm -hmm. the asking. So I actually asked my mother the other day. Uh, She's 88. She's still aware, you know, and able to look at this situation. And I don't know what I was looking for. I just needed to ask. I wasn't you know, intentionally with an agenda, I needed to ask the question, mom, I'm curious. Mm-hmm. And I love the word curious. What made you create this four part uh, picture in a frame for all of us to have when clearly I'm crying in the fourth part with my dress right. over my head, my underwear showing. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think I said all that, but anyway, right. she said, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, it just, we just did and blah, blah, blah. And that was that. Later, I got an apology from her. I guess she had spent some time thinking about it and said, you know, I'm really sorry. I can see in your adult life how that might not feel good. Shocked. Okay, this is a woman who doesn't apologize. So shocking. But anyway, I share it because these are the- But how did that make your eight-year-old feel? Wasn't she relieved Amazing. even now, right? Amazing. You know, I, it, it, it validated, first of all, asking the question. And not having an agenda of what needed to come away from it, but just asking, right. putting it out there, being curious, which my sister was like, don't ask her. She can't answer that. I'm like, no, no, I'm going to ask. And so it was- but Didn't you feel a relief? Relief. She's, she rarely apologizes. So, and I was ready to throw it out. And I actually kept it. And I don't know why. But I'm not, you know, making a decision. And her answer probably didn't even matter. Like she just didn't didn't know. We don't think we don't think about it. Yeah. We spend more times as more time as parents thinking about okay, let I'm just making a very general statement because not everybody does, but like the food that we, you know, the food, the the Game Boys or the toys that the kids have or the clothes that they're wearing or like there's so many things that we are more intentional about for our kids than the words that we say to them, right? Or the pictures that we frame of them and it all matters. Yeah. Yeah. It and all so matters. does an apology so many years later. Huge. Huge. This is a it's, woman that doesn't apologize. So let me say that that was an enormous, enormous gift for me in my life. And, you know, I think, I think you, you said it so beautifully that 
everything we do say, you know, don't say, right? Silence speaks volumes too to our Uh children, helps them to feel that sense of value, that sense of purpose, that sense of belief in themselves by us believing in who they are and what they bring to the table. As they are. As they are. Right. And every child is gifted in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, I don't mean gifted in the traditional sense. I just mean they have gifts. They come into the world as this beautiful human being and as our job as parents to nurture the being that is in front of us as they are. You, You said it beautifully. As they are. So, so I, I'm going to just mention this because I think I, I told you this like in our little backstage, well, not our conversation, but our little, you know, messenger back and forth that I wrote, a, I did write a children's book. And it's something I don't really talk about that often because it was a self-published book and it's print by order and, you know, whatever. It wasn't exactly the way I wanted the outcome to be from a physical book perspective. I mean, the illustrations, the book itself is a game changer. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start letting people know. It's online. It's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And you can also get it. So you can get it in a hardcover, which is soft cover, but you can also get it like for a Kindle or Nook or, you know, whatever. It's audio, audible, but it was, it's called IRDM. So I'm bringing it up for a reason because it is called IRDM exclamation point because it's really important. And it's like this moment that you're telling the story about with your mom where she didn't, and her answer was, I didn't think about it. Right. To me, that's a huge, like that's, that right there is I didn't think about it. And I think a a huge key for both children and parents to understand, depending on the age of the child, because we're still children, even though we're parents, is to recognize that sometimes our parents didn't really think about it. And it wasn't a personal attack on who who we are or who we were Mm -hmm. as little beings in their lives. Right. They were busy. They were they were maybe overworked and and stressed out or tired or and and then we've had those moments too as a parent. So if we're talking about conscious parenting, I think we can also tie this conscious part into being consciously aware of moments that we have as parents with our kids that maybe we responded in a way that when we thought about it afterwards, we thought, gosh, I could have really done a better job on that, right? Maybe I could have said this or that. So there's two things or even three things that we can do as parents right now is go back and say, hey, wait a second. I had a moment. Own it. Mm -hmm. Don't wait however many years to say, sorry, because that's an important learning that that's an important seed to plant in our own children to know that we don't always have the correct response. We don't always respond maybe the way we wanted to. Maybe it's knee jerk. Maybe the eight-year-old responded to the eight-year-old. How many times have right. I recognized that the that the seventeen-year-old responded to my twenty-six, my now twenty-six-year-old? Right. So who's having the conversation? And I know that kind of gets complicated when I hear myself say it, but it makes sense. Like, do you ever like have a moment with your kids? I know you have two daughters, right? Mm -hmm. And I have one son. And I, one of the, one of the biggest reliefs for me, senses of freedom and game changing moments for me was when I realized that I was actually projecting how my eight-year-old would feel in the same situation that him at eight-year-old, at eight years old was in. 
Mm-hmm. So I felt sorry for him. I felt this for him and that for him. But what I was feeling was the feelings that I was felt at the, as eight years old, not how he was feeling. Yeah, no, so that I know gets exactly really what... convoluted, but it's but it has a profound effect on our kids when we start projecting how we think that how we would actually that's a, a con being conscious. Right. Would, do I think I would feel that way, or is he real, or is she really feeling that way? Because they may not be. This is a big this is a big issue in the coaching in my coaching practice that you know people bring is mm-hmm. that. You know, if if their child is left out of something, for example, just to use a simple example, their left out eight-year-old too feels the feelings that she or he experienced at that age and immediately assumes their child feels left out, their child will never make friends, their child will this, their child will that. And then and, starts telling your child that and then you're planting the seeds and now the kid's like, I didn't even think of that. Right. And now right. they're feeling all these things that they didn't probably even bring to the table. <laughs> And, and that's where it's so important to separate ourselves and the trigger moments of, you know, and ask ourselves when we start to feel these reactions, what is this about me? So, for example, a child doesn't get invited to a birthday party. And if there are birthday parties happening now, uh, right. but let's just say prior to COVID and after COVID, the birthday parties that will be. And so your child doesn't get invited and you feel pain. Your child may not say a word about the party and you feel pain. In those moments where you are feeling that heavy feeling, the reaction, the sadness, the left out, whatever, ask yourself, like, like you said about the child, what, what age am I at now? Right. Even, How old am I more feeling? so, you can just ask, what is this saying about me? What is this big reaction saying about me? Because it's important that we refocus on mm-hmm. ourselves not the child that has, you know, in front of us that has experienced something because that trigger, that reaction is ours for something that's happened in our own life. And oftentimes, you know, these are put up on the child to make the child believe that this is horrible and the worst thing and we're left out and we don't have any friends and all of these things. With good intention. With great intention. And human intention, right? We're humans. But if we can step back and recognize that these are our emotions because we were left out or we felt sad or we didn't have this or we didn't have that and look at our own past history before we even come to our child. Because as they say, you know, I think it was Pam Leo who said to have a child is to forever wear your heart on your sleeve. Right. So the heart comes out of, you know, the body goes on the sleeve, the child experienced something, and then you're carrying it all around like it's your own experiences. And we do a disservice to our child. Immense. Huge. And that's actually one of the biggest disservices, to be honest. So I know that we've had this a conversation before in a couple of interviews that we had where actually I was on your side and you were on my side. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, and, and, we were ta- and we were talking about, um, you know, I know that you work with, specifically with parents, right? So you coach the parent and the inner child. Mm-hmm. So it's, you're not really, you're co- you really are a family coach, but just like the, the versions of one person in themselves. Well, right. I work with families, but I work with the children too, but I don't work with them together. I work with them all individually. And what I love about working with the child is because while the parent's going through the process of recognizing, right, and releasing some of this old story, like the, the, that subconscious script that they probably weren't aware of, and learning how to restory, 
I love being able to come in, swoop in almost and work with the kids and start help teaching them their value, helping them recognize that this is about you, right? And somebody's response, even your moms or your teachers or whatever is also coming from a perspective because they love you unconditionally, but they're learning, right? So because it's so important, I believe, to parallel. So when, so when the family now is being kind of coached into the grandest version of themselves and learning how to cr- be creators in their life, then they get to come together. And there's not so much pressure now on the parent who probably feels immense guilt, right? And what did I do when I didn't realize it? Let it all go. You know, that's a whole other process of releasing. Right. But the child now is independent and really also not so dependent on the parent's um, I don't know, confirmations and, you know, all these things that they're recognizing their own value through their own growth process, right? So I can't be happy enough for a child who's not happy to be happy. And a child who's happy really can't be happy enough for a parent who's unhappy to be happy. So it takes a lot of that pressure off to be something for someone that you really can't be. Well, not only that, to take it a step further, happiness, and I like to include these together, happiness and success, right? Every parent Mm -hmm. wants to see their child be happy and successful. And, you know, one of the things that I think is important to remember is we have no idea as one human being what another person or human being or child in front of us, what success looks like for them and what happiness looks like for them. So, you know, I think when we say happiness, I want my kids to be happy. I want my kids to be happy in a way that serves them. Not right, serves exactly. Me. They're not here on this earth to fulfill my dreams and wonders for them. That's another thing we have to release because our agenda for our children is not going to be fulfilled by our children. They're not exactly. Here. I mean, let's hope not. They're not here to fulfill every whim, every idea of what, you know, this particular being on this earth should be. You know, and another good question to ask during the recognizing, and then we can, I'd like to tap into literally a bit, a bit of the release process, sure. but um, asking, are we waiting for something to happen? like our child becoming this way or our child now finally doing this or something outside of ourselves. And now I'm talking about being a parent. Are we waiting for something to happen to then give ourselves permission to, be the, to start creating what we want in our lives? Or are we creating already the life that we want to be living and leading by example by being a creator, so then the child can look up to the parent and say, wow, so this is what it's like to create. This is what it's like to actually be a creator. Yeah. So are you waiting or are you creating as a parent? And that's, it's really important. I, we just talked briefly about my extensive journey through my life. And for a majority of that, I was a single parent. And I parented and lived and explored and created and he was right along with and are you waiting because if you are waiting then you're probably going to be encouraging your children to be waiting as well for something to happen without (laughs) maybe without intention I think that's such a good point because we are the models for our children it's no longer do what I say not what I do It is all about our children watching how we navigate our life, how we cultivate Mm. our own, you know, our own stories and successes and uh, feelings and comfort and everything 
under the umbrella of life and how we live our life under that umbrella absolutely is is what we're passing on as a legacy by modeling not by spoon feeding spoon feeding no longer works it's, right it's really about what you do so, you know i have i have i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no. i was just gonna I was say, talk-, talk a little bit about um about the next uh so, next so step releasing releasing it yeah so, so the releasing part, I do, I do, I'm going to make a quick comment. So I usually say the, the seeds of thought we sow grow, but it's, but really it's the seeds of, the seeds of thought and action we sow grow, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and it's, sure. and, and our actions start with thoughts, right? And a belief, and there's a whole process there. And that leads into the releasing part. Okay. So once now we've become, we've recognized, okay, what it is we, what it is maybe we don't want. Let's just start there, which is not a place I normally start, but it's a good place to start flipping it because we want to flip from waiting to creating, right? We want to flip from limited beliefs to limitless possibilities, right? Limiting beliefs to limitless possibilities. That's a good flip right there. Right. So, so once we become conscious and aware and I don't even have my band on, but I created actually these physical flip your script bands because flipping the script is flipping that subconscious script that's keeping us stuck, right? And holding us in a, in a, a holding pattern of a story, right? Because we're, because it's all a story. Anything that we tell anyone, I'm telling you a story, whether it's an experience that I had, whether it's something that I'm excited about, it all is a script. It's right. a story. So, so you have to release and create space. There's a lot of um, a lot of a lot a lot of people advocate for you know positive thinking, positive thinking, po- positive thinking. Yeah, that and ultimately that's the goal. But what if you were like, since I'm in Florida, I'm going to use oranges and it's the orange season. What if I was going to go to the or- orange orchards and I was going to start picking these beautiful fresh oranges and somebody said, we don't have any more bushels left, but here's a, here's a bushel, but it's half full of oranges and some of them are kind of rotting, but you can put the new ones on top. Okay. So the half rotting oranges are those old beliefs, the limiting beliefs, the negative thinking, the, I, I, the waiting Mm-hmm. And now I'm picking these beautiful oranges, these positive thoughts, and I'm putting them into this bushel of half rotten or negative thoughts, seeds of thought, right? Thought weeds, I call them, right? Yeah. So what's going to happen? Those beautiful oranges can only stay beautiful for so long because the other rotten, the negative thinking, those thought weeds, as I call them, are going to start to infiltrate and take over those beautiful oranges and they're going to rot too. It's very difficult to try to fake it till you make it. It's, it is a path. Yeah. But the path that I have found personally, the path of least resistance, or as one of my nine-year-old clients would say, easy peasy lemon squeezy path, <laughs> is to find a way to, I call it a mind seed as opposed to an affirmation. It's to find a way to, to move in the direction of which you wished of you of the way that you wish to grow okay but having it be believable so like today is a great day i mean it is a great day but if you wake up frustrated and overwhelmed and you don't feel well and your body hurts and it aches it's really hard to keep saying it and you probably feel worse when you say it cuz you're not feeling it but if you say today's a great day for a great day it takes the pressure off 
It's a great day for a great day. Well, how do you get there? So it's a, it's a new way of restoring. But before you can even get to that part, I have found the most amazing, what I call dental floss for emotional plaque. And that's very like layman terms. But it's called emotional freedom technique or EFT or tapping, which is a little bit more mainstream now than when I started nine years ago. And it was on my own personal journey that I was blessed to be able to find EFT and tapping. And I didn't really, at first I was like, what is this? And what it is in in very simple terms, it's like acupuncture and modern psychology without the needles is the best way to describe it. Right. And it's a, it's a form of tapping on, on, on acupressure points, almost the way that I would describe it is our meridians are like wiring in a house. It's where our energy travels, right? And very specific, like wiring in your house, you'll have an outlet where you can plug in your plug, right? So your computer, if it ran out of batteries and you plug it in, now your computer's working again. It's not that the computer doesn't work anymore. It's just not plugged into the proper energy source when it needs it. So if there's a a short in the wiring in your house and you do plug that computer in, you could blow the fuse in the whole house. You can you know, destroy your hard drive or your computer could never work again. Well, the same holds true with our meridians and how the energy flows through these meridians. And that a lot of times is at the root of disease when our energy isn't flowing properly. I call it emotional plaque buildup because our emotions drive our energy. If our emotions were the, if our if our energy had a designated driver, it would be our emotions. Mm-hmm. So our emotions are the DD for our energy. So as we were talking about in the recognizing part, a lot of times we are stuck with childhood memories that we are that are in our consciousness but are subconscious and we're not aware of. Yeah. And that has built up to some energetic plaque and where that shows up in physical disease is an area that I specialize in as well because I can tell the area, the physical area where it's the physiological manifestation of that emotional plaque buildup is an indicator for me where some people may be stuck. I don't know their personal story because I'm not that psychic yet, but (laughs) everybody's story is their own. So I use this EFT to help my clients start to release what they've now recognized to create the space right? Pull those thought weeds, pull the weeds of belief that have been holding you in a pattern that a lot of times parents don't, they'll respond again in a certain way and they will be so upset with themselves that they did it again. I told myself I would never respond this way again. And I'm going to tell you why. It's not your fault. It's not your conscious fault. No. It is because that version of you that I talked about in the recognizing part is the one that's an automatic buffer in when that situation comes up, it's already like the groove is in there. It's already set. That version of you, the 17-year-old, the 8-year-old, she's responding that way. He's responding that way. And until we get that energy flowing or with EFT or tap out that emotional plaque, it's very hard to fake it till you make it. It's very hard to change. You can do it. It's definitely possible, and I've seen it before. But EFT goes into that subconscious, into that amygdala, that flight, fight, or f- flight, fight, or freeze part of our brain. <sighs> 
and kind of brings it to a point where we can now get into what's happening in what I call that subconscious hard drive. Memories come up, things yeah. that can't, people don't even think were like important. Like yeah. silly little moments to them in their mind were game-changing moments to the version of themselves that they affected so profoundly. And they're playing out in their life every single day because every training, response, every, every response, person yeah. showing up, every relationship you attract, yeah, any child you bore, like it is it's in it's this. Repeat. It's on repeat. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Yep. But when we start to change that, and with EFT, it's amazing. And normally when I do an interview or something, I love to do like a, a full-on tapping or what I call like a tapping rant with somebody in the audience. But you can physically feel the shift. And I've used it throughout my own healing journey. We talked about this briefly you know, backstage that I was paralyzed at the age of 18. I had an autoimmune disease that affected my peripheral nerves and I was paralyzed. Talk about a game-changing moment. Like, and even though I used this power of belief that I was gifted to have this knowledge, it was like this almost, I don't know, nobody tapped me on the shoulder. I didn't hear weird voices. Nobody showed up in my dream. But I did have this understanding that my perspective and what I believed and how I thought was really creating my reality. And I put it to the test. And as, instead of waiting three years to maybe walk again, I said, in three months, I'm going to walk out with no cane, with no PT or anything. And I did. It actually was like, um, was amazing. It also gave me something to focus on while I was in this horrible situation. <laughs> but after that, I went through anxiety. I went through years and I still kind of have pockets of it where if I had an ache or a pain, I would like freak out. Like I couldn't trust my body because it came on so suddenly that not being able to trust your own body is, 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 is like the scariest fear, I think, because if you can't trust what's going on inside, then it's really hard. It's really hard. I, outside is fine. I don't care what the political environment is or religion or global plot twists with COVID or anything like that. Like, but for me, that's where my fear would lie because I went through that game-changing experience. So I, I, I was on this journey to find something that I could start to go in and delete some of these old tapes and beliefs that were, were running really my paradigm. And so that's where I found this tapping in EFT, and it was a game changer for me. I like quick, easy, fast. What I love, quick, what I, easy, fast. Right, right. And what I love about your story is you have lived what you do. You know, you've lived absolutely. Through it. You know, I feel similar, but with you know, I wasn't paralyzed, but. Um, it's I paralyzed think, comes in many different forms. That's true. That's true. We can be mentally or emotionally paralyzed. Um, but I think that for our listeners, you know, this is something to keep in mind that you can do this. It is, you know, yes. your, your gift to yourself to move through some of the aches and pains and, and things that are showing up in your life that don't insecurities offer insecurities and anxieties, fears that don't offer you the platform to live your best life in the best way to serve you. And I think that, you know, I'd, I'd love for you to share where people can find you and where they can connect with you for Absolutely. the EFT and help with the uh, emotional plaque buildup. 
Yes, emotional plaque. I thought dental floss I for emotional that. plaque. Who I can't really? That. Everybody Don't can call relate. Call the dentist, though. <laughs> call Elise. Right. Don't call your they dentist. deal with the other plaque. <laughs> the whole, no, I'm not a dentist. I'm not a teeth. Teeth are not my thing. Although teeth are, have a profound teeth represent so much. Boy, if somebody has gum and teeth issues, call me because we need to chat. <laughs> but um, so there's a few places that I can be found. Actually, we met on. Um, I guess it's a, a podcast, but it's live. It's more like a video cast, a live weekly show called Flip Your Script Friday. I am the founder of Flip Your Script Coaching, which is really founded on everything that we just talked about. Recognizing where you're at, where your focus is, start to release some of that, that and create space. I call it pull those thought weeds so you can plant these new mind seeds and now learn how to restory and rescript your life. So I've been blessed to share um, a Blue Talks is like a new TED Talk, but it's about business, life, and universe. And there's a Flip Your Script stage on Facebook. It's called Blue Talks Flip Your Script Experience. So I could be found there weekly. Um, every Friday I'm there and we have videos that are archived as well. And EliseRothman.com. Don't have my full name out there, but I can go in. I don't know if there are comments somewhere, but it's my full name. It's I-L-Y-S-E Rothman, R-O-T-H-M-A-N.com. And also I'm Flip Your Script with Elise on Facebook and Coach Elise or Flip Your Script Elise on Instagram. So I'm She's put everywhere. my name in. You'll find me. <laughs> Flip Your Script with Elise. You'll I'll probably show up. But I, you know, it's interesting because I've been traveling with my fiance for about two years. We've been RVing all over the country and I've always worked with my clients virtually. One of the things I think is so important to recognize now that a lot of people are home, that if you are working with a coach like Sue or myself or anyone that you're working with and recognize that you're going through a healing journey and you're home, that's profound to be able to, because a lot of times home brings up anxiety for people. A lot of times home brings up that anger and the frustration. They don't want to go home. But how beautiful to be healing at home. Right. Yeah. How beautiful to be in your home and have this whole definition and whole relationship to where you live change because yeah. now it's a place of transformation and elevation, right? And creation. It's beautiful. So yeah, I, love, I love that we have an opportunity to help people now shift their whole relationship to what home means to them. Yeah. It's the old saying, home is where the heart is. And so it's let's true. So you are that. where you are. <laughs> you are where you are, but getting back to the heart space and the yes. connection to the heart is beautiful. Huge. Well, Elise, thank you so much for being with me. I, we could talk forever and ever. We just have so much in common and so much to say. And to all our listeners, thank you so much for listening and joining us for this episode. And remember, every moment is a new moment for conscious connections. Thanks for listening to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend and be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.